Hey, 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 you guys. Thank you all so much for being a part of Black Canvas Season 7. I have an amazing special guest with us, Mr. Kevin Andreas. If you guys have not heard of Kevin before, you're going to learn a lot about him and his music and his life. He was raised in upstate New York, and he is a writer, producer, singer, and multi-instrumentalist, hailing from Brooklyn, New York. He broke out singing the hook for ASAP Rocky's first hit, Peso, and he has consistently written and produced for incredible artists. He co-wrote and produced the breakout single, 90s Kid, from the then American Idol and now TikTok sensation, Jack. The once sideman and studio musician released a debut that took off beyond expectation. Vince Magazine called it a sexy, haunting, and utterly awesome, while Pace Magazine called the track an empowering anthem that combined energetic instrumentation and rock bombast with a soft soap and melody. Soon it was featured on Filter Spotify new music playlist, as well as Filter's artists to watch Spotify playlist. By late 2016, the track had garnered enough acclaim to warrant Spotify to place it on Discover Weekly, leading the track to garner over 130,000 streams, all while still completely independent. Now releasing a string of singles leading up to an album, Kevin is also collaborating with members of Prince's infamous band, The Revolution. Kevin has been chosen to perform as direct support to Sabrina Carpenter at Music Fest and has also opened for Andy Grant. He has performed at notable NYC venues such as Highland Ballroom, Brooklyn Bowl, Gramercy Theater and B.B. King's and Webster Hall. And we're so glad to have Mr. Kevin Andreas here with us on Black Canvas. Thank you so much, Kevin, for making time to be here. Oh, yeah, man. Definitely. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm super stoked. All right. Well, I'm excited. I've actually talked to Kevin, you guys, before. And so we've had some really great conversations. And so he said he wanted to be on the show. And we were so excited to learn more about you and your history. And if you're ready, I want to go straight into some of these fun questions that came up for you. Yeah, man, go ahead. All right. So, Kevin, the first one we have is that you have released. Um, there's an unreleased track, I'm sorry, that's called Telephone, that I saw you performed um, with one of NBC's contestants from The Voice. And some of the lyrics that were stated was, I'm scared of losing myself again. Tell me how to fix it. Can you tell us about an incident in your past when you felt like you were losing the essential parts of you? Yeah, sure. So that record um, was special. I wrote that record when I was, uh, God, it must have been, I must have been 20, 20 years old, maybe 21. And um, at the time I was in a relationship with someone uh, where we had done all this uh, really big sort of adult moves uh, at a young age. And it was, we kind of got in over our heads um, and it was, it was really interesting because, you know, I, I, I had all these like massive aspirations of saying, okay, like, well, we're going to build a big recording studio and do all these things. And, and I, and we opened up a music school and um, through the process, I kind of, you know, I guess I just kind of lost sight of what I set out to do in the first place and uh, our expectations of each other, I guess maybe we're in different spots too. So um, she was older than me uh, too. So there was that. And, and, and that song kind of came from, 
that feeling of like, I don't know how I'm going to, you know, rectify the situation or fix the situation. Um, you need to tell me what <laughs> I need to do here. Cause I've kind of like, you know, uh, it, with that line, like I'm so scared of losing myself again, because I kept like, you know, like, Hey, like you ground me. Can, can, can I be grounded in this moment? And so that, that was a big sort of like theme for the early part of my life where I was also constantly trying to make music to, to please other people's expectations of what it is that I was trying to do. I set out playing rock and roll music when I was younger and that after rock and roll kind of had like died off and like became not so popular and stuff. Um, I also spent a long time chasing, trying to, you know, I, I always had connections in the industry and I always had people or ears on what I was doing. Um, important, a lot of important people's ears, but they were always like, yeah, this is okay. But so I would lose myself also constantly in that. And, and, and I think, you know, having a strong sense of oneself is, it's really difficult, but it's, it's really important. And it's, uh, it wasn't until, you know, a lot later in life that a good friend of mine, um, and a brilliant keyboard player, he, his name is Christian Amaran. Um, he's, he's dope. I mean, he's, he's been with everyone from like fifth harmony to Lauren Hill and all these awesome acts and Christian and I kind of came up together playing at, in the West village at the cafe. And, and Christian said, uh, to me, he's like, look, if you don't love it, if you don't love the music, uh, it, it doesn't matter. Like if you're not, you should be able to make something that if everyone in the world hates it and you love it, you still stand by it and you're okay. So, and that was the moment where I was like, okay, well <laughs> I have to go back to that. And so I, I haven't, thankfully I haven't really lost myself in a while, but um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much like what that feeling is for me. Oh, I love it. And I think you made a great point of like losing yourself in the music. And then sometimes when some people start in developmental deals, especially new artists, that can be a big factor. Like you have to kind of record specific types of music. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, and you know, I, uh, the, we talked, you know, you, you talked, we're talking about the song telephone and, and, and the girl, Brittany, who I, um, who I worked with, I mean, Brittany and I, uh, were very close, uh, for, for a while. And she, um, she and I used to record and I used to produce for her and write with her and write for her and stuff. And, um, you know, and she, she got on, uh, like the scene, well, she did the voice, but you know, that those things are always kind of like touch and go, but she, but she, she really got success when she was sampled on a big, um, uh, drill hip hop record, uh, uh, called deep end. And, 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 you know, I think the expectation, even with that, with her to, to have to keep, making that style of music or kind of going down that path, you know, it's very difficult. Um, you know, and I, and I'm, you know, I, I know that she's like more of like a singer songwriter, like a softer kind of like, she loves guitars. I mean, you know, I remember teaching her a bunch how to play guitar in the beginning and she went and bought a guitar and she's all into that. So, um, it's good to see her. I think she's starting to get back to that, but you know, it's, it's also difficult when, you, when you're, when you get success with something, right, that that isn't necessarily your center or who you are, and you kind of think to yourself, well, I guess I got to keep doing this. And it's like, th that's when I did ASAP Rocky's record, I produced so much hip hop after that. And it was like, hip hop isn't really where I live. But I thought like, okay, well, <laughs> go down this road, you know, because it seems to be 
gaining some kind of like success for you. And like, so, um, I mean, I found my way back to, to my roots, but it just, it took a while, you know. But I'm glad you made it back. I mean, I love some of the new music and we'll talk about it, about the new music at the end. But um, I had a great opportunity. Kevin let me listen to some new songs he's been working on. And so I know what you're meaning. It's similar to like an actor who's been typecast for a role. And like when you're so used to seeing this person do the specific role, it's hard to get out of it. Uh, mm. So I, I love that you mentioned that, hey, it took time for you to kind of find yourself in music, but it's something we, we, we really appreciate in musicians on T-Bowl for sure. Yeah, man, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. So speaking about evolving, I want to talk about our next one. This is going to be a title that you just might know. <laughs> So the title for this is Flower Child. So can you tell us um, what went into making this amazing song? And the second part of that question is, can you tell me about your favorite artists from each decade, starting from the 60s to where we are now? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So regarding Flower Child, um, that was an interesting experiment um, for me because I, you know, probably at the top of the year, um, I had started a, uh, the project of creating an entire album and I, and I, and I, you know, was working with some really talented, incredible people. Um, Miles Robertson, who's a Dell's keyboard player and musical director for a long time. He also was like Alicia Keys and Zane Malik's musical director, super talented, the hum, the humblest man on earth, but just like ridiculously talented. And, and I knew Miles from the village. I called him to work on it. I called a couple of my uh, other friends from down there. And I was like, Hey, look, I want to make a record. And I, and I made the whole record. And then I put that off to the side. Cause I, you know, I was like, all right, well, I'm not ready to release an entire album yet. Um, let me just make some singles ahead of the record. And I had a couple of instrumentals. I had actually done this other record first, um, strawberry one. And I, I did that one. And I was like, Oh, I really, I think this is a good single. And then I had an instrumental that was, in a similar lane um and i sent it to a good friend of mine his name is dennis glazov and dennis is a genius of a lyricist and, and a great great top line writer and he was and i had the chorus kind of a little bit i had this like worlds on fire thing and uh he said can i write can i can i top line this and i was like eh, yeah i guess <laughs> i don't <laughs> i like i want to top line it you know but it's like you know but let's see what you come up with. And he like four hours later, he sent me like, I didn't touch those verses. Like those verses are a thousand percent Dennis, like the inflections and just the, the, the lyric, the lyrics and the melodies, like, you know, and that was like interesting because I co-write for so many other people so often, but to see someone else do that for me, I was like, you know, and I, and I don't have any qualms about singing, things that I didn't write as long as I connect to them. Right. So I, so I was like, well, this is amazing. And so like the, and the song for him, like, you know, the, the direction, I guess, conceptually was, you know, you know, the world is burning down and this girl is literally just like, could care less. She's just like running around like a maniac. Like (laughs) it doesn't matter. Like she's having fun. She's like, she's concerned with things that are a little bit less, um, you know, uh, I guess they, they don't really pertain to the fact that the world is burning down and and it's cool to that type of personality is a very interesting 
archetype. And I think we've all met people like that who are just like, how are you not stressed out right now? And they're just like, <laughs> you know, like, like your life is really messed up. And it's like, and she's just cool. And it's like, and I'm like, that's a, you know, that's almost, uh, and it was, I, I would say that that's a very different uh, direction that, that I was thinking when I was like, Hey, when the world's on fire, like, uh, like, you know, that was like the initial idea for the chorus. And then he took it from the perspective of a person who the world's on fire, but it doesn't really matter. And, and like, for me, it, it started with like the world's on fire because the world is literally on fire right now. It's, it's, it's crazier than it's ever been. I think um, even just, you know, I know every generation says like, Oh, when I was a kid, but honestly, like, I think we all can agree that we're in a pretty scary spot. And so it was really cool to see, him talk about that. And then there's the interpersonal relationship um, type of stuff that is, is layered throughout the, the track, which is more like, you know, this girl is a little bit, you know, she didn't have the best upbringing, like the beginning, like your mama was a hippie from the sixties, flower child, you're a spitting image of her. Like, you know, um, what is it? We're, uh, you're sitting in the garden while we're all swimming and you're a flame in the nighttime, you're getting lit, you know, like, and she's on some Michael Jackson shit, you know, like, and we're kind of like, we're all trying to chase, you know, something else. And she's just clearly, you know, off on a different planet. And even with the second verse, like your dad was a local bar rock star on a mission flower child. Don't give me a black eye. Please forgive him. Is like that. This is like some childhood trauma, like laced into those lyrics. And it's, it's like a, you know, I think everybody's met a person like that before. And, and um, so that's kind of like the concept of that and like where that comes from. And, and then I just took it and said, all right, well, like, let me see if I can actually like deliver and, and connect with these verses. And it happened so quick. I mean, you know, things in my experience in the studio or song wise or any really any piece of art, like when it comes super natural and easy to you, it's right. So it was just like, oh, this is a good song is a good song. So it just like kind of the song kind of sh- shined through the the whole thing. So that's Flower Child. Um, yeah. And then as far as like my influences from different decades like i have like a really interesting blend of things that i like to listen to um i would say starting with like going even further back um i've always loved classical music um like liszt and rachmaninoff and chopin and beethoven and things like that like when i was a kid i always loved that stuff um and it kind of stuck with me as far as the musical harmony is concerned but um, moving more into like a modern thing. It's, I really liked, um, gypsy jazz, which is funny because my mother's side of the family is all, um, Hungarian gypsy and they're, so gypsy jazz was something that I got introduced to. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. Like Django Reinhardt is a guitar player that is incredible. And I loved listening to that stuff. And that influences some of my like harmonic and melodic choices musically sometimes. Um, and then moving into like maybe, you know, the 50s and, and stuff. I mean, I really like like Little Richard and I really, you know, it's like I'm not really a big Elvis person. Like I get Elvis, but like I'm not the biggest Elvis fan in the world. Um, and maybe that's just like a, a like a like a mental block between me and, and him. But uh, I just could never really get into to his vibe. I, I, I know he was like the he laid down a lot of the framework for, for what a rock star is. Um, but, um, I, I love the Beatles, um, from the sixties. I mean, I love a lot of music from the sixties. I love James Brown, um, Aretha Franklin. I like 
all the stack stuff. I mean, like, and then in the seventies, you know, I love Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin was probably my favorite band of all time. Led Zeppelin is just like, for me, like that just hits like a certain bone in my body where I'm like, yo, that is, (laughs) that's, that's my jam. So I loved Led Zeppelin and, and then, um, 80s i mean obviously i love prince um i like michael jackson i used to hate 80s music when i was younger um because it wasn't very cool i guess in the at the time first of all i guess we we're too close to it and also because all my friends they were like that's dumb like i don't like that stuff and kind of like and it, it leaves an impression on you but um you know as i got older i also really liked um you know michael and prince shaka khan is probably my favorite artist from the from that time period um i love shaka khan um and then in the 90s um like i like all the grunge stuff nirvana stone temple pilots Soundgarden, um all that rock stuff i didn't really listen to like um too much r&b from the 90s until later um like new edition or you know Bobby Brown and stuff like that. I didn't I didn't really get into that until until later in life um, when I started producing more R and B and hip hop and pop music. I kind of went back and listened to the roots of a lot of that stuff. But um, yeah, the '90s were mostly like rock for me when I was younger, and then in the 2000s and stuff. I mean, like everything to me, like everything kind of started blending together after a certain point, and genres started bending and things started changing, and um, you know, uh, so so yeah. I mean, those are that's a rough outline of like who I'm influenced by, I guess. <laughs> I love that outline because you mentioned a lot of the people I love. Like Nirvana was definitely one I was influenced by. I'm a huge, huge, huge Michael Jackson and Prince fan. So that definitely was Stevie Wonder's another one, Janis Joplin going further mm. back. I think one of my favorite songs on um, Blackbird, I mean, amazing song. Um, yeah. When we think of just like like to the Beatles and the influence that they've had over the years, um, I really loved just you know. Well, of course, my favorite R&B singer was Peebo Bryson. Um, that was yeah. someone who I grew up listening to as as a kid. Um, Luther Vandross, of course, you can't forget just the amazing talent. But like you said with Shaka Khan, she had a lot of songs people didn't even know. Like even like the song "This Is My Night," like that's a song many people don't even know she's done. But it's, it really is a fun song. And it's like, that's not normal Shaka. That's like, people know her like, I'm Every Woman or know her for, you know, certain songs like that. But nobody really knows what, you know, the other songs that weren't as popular that she just sung her, her heart out. And so Anita Baker, I mean, we could just talk about her all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. I love her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she's I love great. her. I, it reminds me of an episode of Martin. I don't know if you ever saw the TV show Martin before. No, I haven't. No. <laughs> there was a funny joke that they did. They, 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 <laughs> they were talking about Tony Braxton and Anita Baker. And they were like, um, um, what did they say? Anita Faker and, and Phony Braxton. It was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. I was that's like, awesome. that is hilarious. I, I'm like, and I love both Tony Braxton and Anita. So no disrespect to them at all. Amazing artists. But I just remember that episode. Every time I hear them, I just start, I just laugh. I'm like, that is just so funny. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're great. Yeah, man. All right. So my next question for you is Wild Blood. So what is the wildest and most memorable thing that you have that has happened to you either in the studio or on stage? And the second part of that question is, is on what blood relative would you say has influenced you to become a musician that you are today? Oh, um, 
let's see. So the wildest thing that's ever happened to me on stage, let's see. Um, well, the most surreal experience was when I got to play like a couple of really big stadium shows opening up for like Sabrina Carpenter, Andy Graham or whatever. And, and that was like, that was an incredible experience to walk out onto a stage with 15,000 people there and just have them be like, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is what that's like. Um, but the, truly the, the craziest thing that ever happened was I used to run the band on Sunday nights at this place called the Cafe Wa in the West Village. And one night we were playing and um, like the stage is only like maybe three feet, maybe above the standing level, maybe four feet. It's not too high. Um, and there was like a little set of stairs and this, and this, and then I'm in the middle of a song and I wasn't really paying attention. I don't know if, I don't remember if I was singing or someone else was singing. I think it might've been someone else who was singing. And this girl <laughs> just ran out of the crowd and uh, up onto the stage and like kissed me on the mouth, <laughs> like randomly, and then jumped off the stage and ran back into the audience. And I was like, what the hell just happened? I was like, are you kidding me? And and when that happened, and then she was outside afterwards, she's like, and I was like looking at her weird, like, yo, what is wrong with you? And she was like, she was in, she was uh, from Italy. She was Italian. She was like, don't worry, I'm not going to kiss you again. And I was like, I was like, that's thanks. Cause like, I have no idea where your mouth has been. And she just ran up and kissed me on the stage. So that was probably the most insane thing that, that I was just like, in, I was in disbelief. Like people do that. Like, you know, so that was weird. Um, and then as far as like, it's interesting, you know, I had a really, um, I had a really difficult childhood. I would say I moved out when I was young and, and I come from a, a pretty uh, unstable and I would even call it abusive uh, household. And so um blood relatives didn't really influence me musically too much um my aunt who i don't even really know uh or i've never really spoken to is like a super famous broadway star her name is uh, christine andreas and you know i've reached out to her here and there but she doesn't really reply to me i don't think her and my father get along very well which is not uh very shocking so it's like you know no one in my family really influenced me musically but um but I'll uh, but I'll say that you know uh, as far as I guess as far as uh, like other people in my life the song Wild Blood specifically um, I have two people um, who live in Los Angeles who are kind of like my LA parents they're like you know they're like my best friends out in Los Angeles this guy Mitch Kaplan and and Beth Lapidus and and Mitch and Beth um, I met Mitch doing. Uh, Sandra Bernhard, the comedian, I used to play for her. I used to play a guitar for her um, project, uh, for her like shows. And she would have like, you know, a comedy set with like some songs in between. And we would kind of, I would be in the background band or whatever with, with Mitch. It was only a three piece band. And so Mitch and I were, we became very close over the years and he kept always telling me like, you have to move to LA. And I was like, I'm not moving to LA. I'm, I'm from New York. I like New York. And um, anyway, so Mitch introduced me to Beth and I would go out to Los Angeles to do writing sessions and to like work with artists and stuff. And I would always stay with Mitch. Um, and we built like a little, um, like a little writing room recording studio thing out, out there I, that I could work out of when I was there and that he would use. And, and, uh, I was working with this artist, a couple of artists while I was out there, I was working with, uh, I forget, I think I was working with this DJ. His name is Viceroy. And I was working with him 
And I was talking to Beth the week beforehand and, and, and she was saying, you know, we were sitting down at dinner and I was, I was saying, I was, she was asking me about like my sort of like my backgrounds and what, what my parents were. And I was like, Oh, my, my dad is Italian and, and, and there's Greek in there and there's, and my mom's side is all Hungarian gypsy. And she went, wow, you have really wild blood. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, I guess I do. <laughs> and she, she's like very like, you know, spicy, wild blood. I was like, whatever that means, Beth. And she said, you write, we should write a song about that. So the next week I had a session, a writing session with this DJ. And he had this like instrumental. That's not the instrumental that the song ended up being. Um, but uh, I wrote sort of the impetus of that song with him uh, about wild blood and having wild blood and the concept of it. And it was kind of like, you know, it's still like fun and like, you know, like it's just, we're kind of like the lyrics for the chorus are, we don't need anyone to save us or chain us. Like we've got wild blood and nothing can hold us down. It's kind of like an, a summer anthemic vibe, but like the meaning of it for me is, is comes from, from that with Beth. And like, I always, you know, thank Beth for that. Cause Beth has also really helped guide me um, to just be, you know, uh, the most true version of myself that I possibly can be. So, um, so yeah, so I, I would say people like that are, are, the, are the most critical to me musically, influence-wise. Wow. I mean, I just can't believe she said, you have wild blood. I can't believe that. <laughs> that just kind of threw me off. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> I, know. I was like, I guess so. I mean, I don't know whatever that means. But it's like, I guess it's because, yeah, because yeah, gypsies are like, you know, they move around all the time, I guess, you know. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I, but I, the, the funny thing that you mentioned just reminds me, like I have in my bloodline, like my great grandmother and grandmother had like Choctaw and Cherokee Indian. So it just reminded me, like when you say that, just like where we come from, we just kind of forget about the influences that we have or we are, you know. We, we sometimes can get judged by that too. And then someone thinks, oh, well, you're just this, you're just that. And they don't know like your history and what it took for you to be where you are, and especially being a person of color. You know, that can be definitely a, a major struggle, you mm. know, when people yeah. can judge that experience and not really know where, where a lot of your heritage stems from. So, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, and that is, that is something that is, that is baked into our society straight up, you know, right now. And, and it's something we're trying to, to, to sort of make right. And, you know, I, I, I personally would, you know, I don't know the only, like the closest thing to that I've ever felt is being in a, in a super, you know, you know, rich or fancy environment. Cause I used to do a lot of like, you know, weddings and stuff like that, or like corporate events and stuff where I'm just like, I'm playing guitar. I'm clearly not here because I'm because I'm invited. I'm here because I'm working. And the way that some of those people would treat me off the bat, just because I'm not part of their clique, because I'm not part of their thing, they automatically just like talk down to me and judge me. And that's on that's such a small version of a of a much bigger issue that extends throughout our entire society. Which I think a hard thing is trying to get someone who has never experienced that type of discrimination in any form to understand what that would feel like. And to them, a lot of people, you hear a lot of people, especially on the opposite side of that issue saying like, Oh, stop complaining about we all, we're all the same. Like what, you know, like you're just making it a bigger deal than it is and all these things. And it's kind of like, well, you just really have no idea what it feels like to be discriminated against 
even if, if you didn't do anything like I, you know, it's like, it's one thing if you walk into a grocery store and punch someone in the face and the next time you walk into the grocery store, they're like, Hey, that's that dude. You know, it's like, that makes sense, but they can't compute things like, you know, and, and like, like that. And for me, it's like, it was, I experienced it through class, but like, and that's confined to that specific environment. Whereas, you know, being judged because you're black or, you know, or whatever, it's like, or, or anything, any other culture, you know, it's like, it's, it, you can't hide that, you know, it, you know, it's like, you can't, it's not like you, you know, you can't walk into a room. It's like, it's like, and if it exists throughout society, it's sprinkled throughout society. So it's not like every single person you talk to is that way, but it's the fact that you, even if you ran into it once a month, that's a lot, but that's a low figure because most people are running into that on the regular. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, man, and people don't, because they don't experience it. They don't, (laughs) they don't, they don't think it exists. It's like, it's like people that have never been to space that think the earth is flat. It's like, are you kidding me? (laughs) You know, so just because you've never seen the earth as a sphere doesn't mean that the earth isn't a sphere. And it's like, it's very, it's a very disheartening thing because it really to truthfully to me, it comes down to a, a systemic lack of empathy. And, um, like, you know, that's something that, you know, where I, I wish the world would have a lot more of period across all, across all fit situations, you know? So I, I get what you're saying. And I thank you for sharing your experience and talking about that. Um, I just want to briefly say, you know, on my end, at least from my experience, I always say that there's many isms out there and we get to decide if we're going to either be a part of that movement of continuing that belief system or turning a blind eye and being ignorant to the changes that we see or experience that the other people are, are going through, or we can educate ourselves by being aware of how we are being perceived, asking people how they're going to be addressed, being a part of conversations where we can actually feel like we are getting to know someone and not what we think the person is going through. And then also being the change that we want to see in others by doing it within ourselves first. And I feel like that's even within our own cultures, well, there can be a lot of isms even within that. So it's more of, it's not, it's less in my opinion of what other people feel about you. It's more about what do you see within yourself and what boundaries are you willing to set? And then what educational opportunities we can all learn from each other. So that way we're not being victimized. We're, we're learning how to stand strong in our beliefs. But then also if we are being treated a certain way that we can stand firm in, in being assertive instead of being aggressive and telling people this is how I feel and why. Yeah, I, well, I, com- I completely agree. I think that there are so many, like, it's a, I think it's also difficult because like the pendulum effect in society, not just with this issue, with every issue, with every major societal issue, whether it's race, whether it's, uh, you know, social political agendas, whether it's whatever, it, it, it's a pendulum. And like it, it can, the, the goal, I think, is to stop the momentum of the pendulum. The goal is not to, to just say, well, it went all the way to the left this far. So it's got to go all the way back to the right, at least that far for it to be fair, because when that happens, the pendulum just continues to pick up momentum. And then you start to see all kinds of reactionary things happening. And before you know it, the pendulum's out of control and everybody's doing the wrong thing. And it's like, you know, so it's like we have to try to slow the momentum down. And that is, you're right, it's through conversations. And it's through conversations that like create 
empathy with each other. I mean, there are a lot of crazy people in the world who, you know, maybe you have a harder time, you have getting empathy out of them. But at the same time, like if you walk into, it's really interesting. Someone told me once, um, if you approach every conflict as if like, say for instance, you can't get through to someone and you're trying to get through to this person and you can't, um, it's, it's, if you approach every conflict thinking that the problem is you not being able to get through to them and not the problem is them, you'll have a higher success rate for getting through to that person. So like, you know, it's, it's, it's complicated because you also don't want to sacrifice, you know, your ideologies in the process. So yeah, man, I totally agree. Intelligent, well, well thought out conversation is everything. So. I appreciate you sharing that with us. And I'm thankful that you went in that direction because I know we're talking about music, but in music, I mean, there's a lot of things that are discussed that can be definitely seen socially or um, maybe even seen in an emotional state taken or derived from, from past traumas or experiences or things that people are going through right now in the world. And I feel like it's important for us to talk about it and be respectful of everyone's differences but also just remind ourselves that we can't change others. We can only be the change within ourselves. And then hopefully with us making those changes, people will be willing to learn about how they can be a part of changing as well. So I I love that you brought that up. That's amazing. Yeah, man. I mean, totally. I mean, and speaking on the music side of that, like on it or the art side of that period, you know, usually, um, at least this has, has been the case. I would say that it's maybe a little bit less the case right now. And I think that that's a whole separate issue of why, why, I think art in general is kind of suffering, but usually art is a reflection of society and it's, it's as a whole, right? You always have your fringe like art that's kind of maybe pushing certain boundaries or whatever. But for the most part, if you look at the temperature of the art, you can see what's happening in society. And it's, it's really funny, right? Because in the nineties, in, in the early nineties, when there was the economy was killing it like you know i mean like we were the music industry in general let's just say that had so an overwhelming amount of money flowing through it where there was there was money in every single and i mean we were we were kind of crushing it um and listen to the music like listen to the rock like that nirvana and stone temple pilots and, and Soundgarden, all these rock bands that were like on top of the world their music was so depressing because it was because it was it was like the the reaction to all of the the fact that there was all this money there was all this money there was all this thing these things and uh, you know and there, the art was kind of like a reaction to that and and then if you look at like when sometimes when things are super down and super down and out like look at Motown and look at look at like the state of things societally as far as race is concerned around that time period like you know the black community was going through a lot and being uh, you know leader their leaders were being killed like they were being oppressed like things were just there the amount of 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 negativity coming towards them was was so massive and then you got like i got sunshine and it's like what <laughs> and it's like because that is literally to counteract what's actually happening and 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 throughout history music has always reflected society and 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 has always been a, a mechanism for that and that's why you know it's it's really interesting because when i was studying jazz i i always got frustrated because um it's a thing that happens with 
uh, you know, if you want to call it a cultural appropriation, if you want to call it just like admiration for, for another style or whatever, but you have, you know, like years and years and years down the line, like 30 years, 40 years after, after bebop and jazz was a thing, you kind of have all these like young hipstery white college kids making bebop jazz groups. And it's, it's great. Cause it's a brilliant form of music and it's a, it's a beautiful form of music. But I always got frustrated. I was like, guys, but you don't understand like <laughs> the the music itself, where it came from. And it was a civil rights, you know, m- movement in music, you know, and it was like, like to not understand that and still sort of, I guess you want to put it like cop the style or whatever you're doing. To me, that was always something that was really interesting. So it's like, you know, I think paying attention to those things and in society in general, like where certain types of music comes comes from and how it's reflecting that group of people's like, you know, situation, whether it's the black community with jazz or whether it's any other community's music, um, including, including the white community has contributed music as well. That is totally awesome and great. And it's like, we can't overlook that. And, and whatever those people were going like Irish uh, bar music is incredible. It's it's like acoustic guitars and shouting and beer and all kinds of stuff. It's amazing. It's and and they were a heavily oppressed people. It's like when you look at that stuff, you know, it's like it's important to also know like what that because if you don't know the energy behind the creation of the music, you're never going to actually authentically be able to participate in that music because you're not understanding where it's coming from. So it's like for me throughout history it's like always oh that's always the thing like you know i think understand where it's coming from you totally can play in the sandbox just know where it comes from and why it's created so yeah i think i think that's important to realize so thank you kevin for sharing that i think that's true and it kind of goes back to like paying homage to people like you can still respect someone in their journey and what they were able to to either survive or what they're able to share but just make sure you give credit where it's due like you said and then also just be socially aware of the responses that people may have to it that hey why aren't you educating yourself it goes back to education as you mentioned earlier you know when you the more we research things and we actually ask people and we're able to have conversations the less that we can have so much fear and frustration because everyone will then be able to understand where a lot of it stems from. So I, I love that we had this conversation about that because I feel like that's going to help us move forward as artists, as creators, as people, influencers. You know, we have to be careful what, what messages we are conveying, but also what are we receiving back as a response to the messages that we've, we've shown. So I love that you're able to talk about this from your experience of people you've been around, music you've been influenced by, and hopefully this would be an educational opportunity for everyone else who's just learning more about music and wanting to start a career in music just to do their research and ask people, the people who've been there, their experiences, like, where did this come from? I don't really understand this. Can you kind of break it down for me so I can be aware? Yeah, 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 I, I agree. I agree. Like, yeah, like you said, getting rid of the the negative part of it that's like, you know, this, I mean, like we talked about Elvis. I'm like, you know, people are like Elvis, you know, it's like, you know, and, and, and that was a huge thing. But yeah, I think telling each other kind of being like, hey, this is where that comes from. And also, you know, I would say like, you know, I have a lot of admiration for what you do in general, because having a, a, a podcast period, I don't care what you're talking about having a podcast period in this day and age is, is difficult because, because we, we are like, we need brave people right now. We need brave, but we need, we need brave and articulate people and people who are, or are empathetic, articulate and 
a little bit brave because we have to talk about things that are that are not necessarily very easy to talk about. And and sometimes, you know, like I said, it's a pendulum. You you could strip society of all of its all of its conflicts. You could strip society of all of its uh, of anyone ever doing anything wrong. And it's just like it's that's not society. Society is always going to be full of conflict. So we have to be able to deal with those conflicts when we come. It's like what is the phrase? I would rather be um, a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. <laughs> You know, so it's like you can you can be powerful and have a strong stance on something, but know how to control it. So, yeah. Man, I never heard that, but I like that. That's a good I mean, one, right? That's, yeah. that's a great one, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good. The funny part is, like, I don't think I'd be good at the warrior or the gardener. So that was just so hilarious. <laughs> I like, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you you find something to do. You just yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I, I find a way to eat after the gardener has picked all the food. But I mean, that's really exactly. Cool. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man. That's hilarious. Yeah. All right. So, Kevin, I only have a few more questions for you. So the first one is, can you tell your younger self one piece of advice? If he, if he was here right now, what age would you choose and what would you want him to know? Oh, man. Who is going to win the Super Bowl in a certain year so that I can be rich? No, um, <laughs> Like in Back to the Future, get the almanac from Back to the Future. No, um, honestly, if I could talk to myself. I would say I would talk to myself when I was in high school and I would go back to that person because it's really interesting. I say I come from rock music, um, but my first concert when I was a little kid was my mom took me to Luther Vandross. Also, when I was little, I was singing Michael Jackson, Madonna, NSYNC, the Backstreet Boys. I loved pop music. And when I got to high school, I grew up uh, in a town called Warwick and it's like upstate New York. And, you know, predominantly white area, a bunch of older um, uh, sort of families, you know, the population is really was really split between like, you know, there's like an older generation, like 45 and up. And then there was, you know, like high school kids and nothing really in the in between, Um, not diverse whatsoever. Um, And all the kids listened to like classic rock music because that's like the, you know, that's the the genre of music that, that those people tend to listen to. And like, so like when we, when I was growing up and I went and got into to high school, I think I was in like eighth grade or seventh grade. And I also grew up as a Jehovah witness, which was super weird and very difficult because I wasn't able to like hang out with other kids from school and all that kind of stuff. So I had already had a hard, <clears throat> I had a hard time, excuse me. So I like, so by the time I was like 13, I think my parents stopped being Jehovah Witness and or 12 or something. And I started like trying to make friends with kids and they were all listening to like Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix and all that stuff. And I was like, but I like NSYNC and Madonna and like, you know, and stuff like that. And I like all this other stuff. And, and they were like, that's stupid, Kevin. Like who's, and then they would make fun of me and say like, oh, who sings this Led Zeppelin? Who sings this song? Like they would pick a Led Zeppelin song title and I'd be like, I have no idea. And then they'd all laugh at me. So I was like, well, I'm going to learn all the Led Zeppelin songs. And I've, I grew to love Led Zeppelin and that's cool. But I wish I could have told myself at that age and said, hey, don't listen to those kids. All those kids are going to have jobs working at like Costco and shit when you're, <laughs> when you're making records that are like blowing up, like relax, like do what you want, follow your thing you know what i mean because I, I don't think a single one of those kids who was making fun of me it works in music now i think they were into bands and stuff when they were kids and, and it's like you know okay like i should have just 
listen to my, listen, I should have just been like, I don't care what you think about anything that I'm doing because, you know, it's like, and if I could have told myself, if you do that, you're going to save yourself maybe like eight years of agony of like, you know, of like finding your way back to where you are right now. So that's probably what I tell myself. I love that. <laughs> that, that just, it reminds me of just school in general. I mean, many kids are experiencing that now. I'm just like, you know, feeling pressure to do things. And I think that's just a great um, statement for all our listeners, especially younger ones to remember, just be yourself, you know, also be aware of your company, what they say, how they feel doesn't have to influence you as a person in a negative way. And then just kind of look back at, you know, where you want it to be. I always say vision boards are important, like writing things down, um, having um, daily mantras, things that you recite each day to encourage you. Those things are important. And I feel like, I think your younger self would be very proud of where you are now. Cause like I said, you have accomplished a lot, but it's not just in music. Like you've been able to really touch people's lives. You've been able to help people. Like you said, co-writing songs for others. You know, that is a big step outside of releasing stuff for yourself. And that just mm. shows that you have a heart for not only your own success, but you want to see everyone else win too. And I think that's a big step. With people who have longevity in a career, you have to remember you, you shouldn't step on others to get to where you are. And I want, I'm going to repeat that again. You should not step on other people <laughs> to get to where you are because you never know when that person that you're taking advantage of or treating negatively, when they may be in a leadership role to actually help give you an opportunity when you thought that you were always going to be on top. So it's just something to just remind ourselves of. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that is very true. And I think a lot of people don't really uh, consider that. Um, But everything that goes up comes down and that's just the truth. I don't care how big and famous you get at some point if you if you manage to be famous big and famous for your whole life at some point you're going to be old enough where you need people to take care of you and if people don't like you (laughs) like that's not a good place to be i mean to be completely honest and most of the time it happens well before you know you need someone to help take care of you as you get older but but um yeah i think I think, uh, like I said, it all comes down to, to, to empathy. And, and I've helped, I mean, I've, uh, people have helped me immensely in my life. People have come into my life who have given me things just straight up, just, Hey, Kevin, I believe in you here. I know you're struggling. Let me help you. And like, if I didn't have those people, um, you know, I definitely wouldn't be where I, where I am right now. And so for me, uh, I, I, have I actually actually on a personal level I felt a, a fair amount of guilt about people help having had helped me so much in my younger life and it took a long time to to get rid of that guilt and I figured that figured out that the only way to get rid of that guilt was to help other people you know and I just I just watched someone say something and they said um what did he say he said he said the worst place to be is when you're thinking about yourself. Most thoughts that when you think about yourself are negative um, and, and it gives you anxiety. And this is true. And how do you stop having negative, anxious thoughts? Think about other people, help other people. That is your job, help other people. And it's true because it's only good for you too. <laughs> you know? So it's good for the, it's good for the whole thing. So, yeah. Man, I like that. That's another, I'm saying you're dropping a lot of wisdom for us today, Kevin. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, yeah, but yeah, man. Yeah. So Kevin, I only have two questions for you left. So the first part of that is, can you tell our listeners where can they find you online? And the second part is, um, 
what's next for you? I I've already know about some of the what's next, but if you can kind of tell everyone, give us a sneak peek of what you have coming up. Yeah, sure. So um, online, you can just if you Google Kevin Andreas, all of my stuff will come up. Like Google has like a like a page there where it will show you like my Spotify is there. Just Spotify, I'm Kevin Andreas. Uh, Instagram and Twitter and all that's Kevin Andreas official is my um, is my username on on all of those things. Um, and I do have a very crude website that I don't uh, that I have to. Uh, uh, do some stuff with, but it, that's just kevinandreasmusic.com. Um, and um, as far as what's next, um, so I released Flower Child on the 29th, um, and that's been great. Um, I've been super, super grateful for the response that I've been getting with that. And um, I'm going to, we're going to shoot a music video for, actually, first, what we're doing is, 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 is I'm shooting a, an acoustic version of flower child uh this um, i'm actually shooting it tonight and tomorrow and then i'm going to have that out probably sometime next week and then um we're going to be shooting a proper music video like a full-out music video for the for the record version uh on the 27th of august and that should be out sometime early september along with the second single which is called strawberry wine which is like a funkier sort of um and it's like a funkier kind of a thing. It's definitely more Prince influenced thing. And um, I have that. And then we're shoot we're shooting a video for Strawberry Wine probably the following week. And then I have a song called Make You Home, which comes out. Um, that'll be out probably in October. And then from there, I am just gonna see where the thing, where everything is, and where the where where what the response is like. And you know, I I I want to drop. Um, I definitely want to drop an album. Um, and I think I'm going to do that, um, uh, probably at the beginning of the year, I would say. So, yeah, that's pretty much what's up. Well, I love the songs, like I said, that you sent to me and I listened to them and I think you have an amazing voice and I love the, both songs were completely different, but I could tell the influence of the artists that you were inspired by. And I can tell you even like current artists. Who you, who you resembled and I kind of told you who I thought based on your voice and I just love that you're able to be yourself you're able to share great music in the world and I just can't wait to have you back on the show in the future um, hopefully to perform we would love to hear the songs when you have them released and then if you want to do any covers or anything I would just love to have you back because you have really blessed us with your talent with talking about your story being authentic and also sharing your personal triumphs as well as some of our, your failures that have led to where you are now. And I'm just so glad that you gave me this time today to kind of talk about it. And whenever you want to come back, just let me know and I'll definitely have you back on the show. That would be great, man. I had a great time talking to you. Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for being here. And let's remember, you guys, to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. Well, thank you, Kevin, for being on the show. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. You too, man. All right. All right. All right. Bye. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come, come. Black, Black, Black,